Hello and welcome to Learning, Laughing, and Loving with your co-host Evan Money and yours truly, Scott Jones. This podcast is all you need. If you're looking to learn about the world, do it with a smile and to connect to the deeper mysteries of human life and the kind of connection everyone is looking to make. Money, 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 money. I am here and excited to be here to learn, laugh, and love with the infamous, the one of the soon-to-be greatest political pundits ever, Scott. <laughs> yeah, so I think to be a good political pundit, here's the skill you have to have. You have to, like, in a slow reaction time, point out the obvious to everybody. <laughs> and then you could be... You know, I was just watching something, like, something on msnbc and somebody who's a very good political journalist in, in general like i mean i like his work a lot but he was sort of just saying some things that are like were so obvious um i don't know but maybe that's also like you know it's not obvious to everybody and you know but it was a very i was like well duh 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 so that's like if you want to make your living making people go duh 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 there you go it's uh huh. I would love to see a Scott Kent Jones political pundit and then six months later, see if you're not reduced to <laughs> making obvious statements that are three no, months. I'm just going to shoot for the obvious. Hey, what do we got? What do we got that's obvious that I could reach out and find? So, but, but, is that, but is that like a legit title? Like, do you see emails like at the bottom, you know, Scott Kent Jones pundit? No, you don't know. Kind of it's, it's commentator. Oh, commentator. You're, you're a commentator. Like, okay. that's, the, that's the official. I mean, I think the title you want, but. Um, so I, I remember back in the day. I got a question for you. I remember back in the day. You, again, we were talking off air about old school stuff, like the old uh, tape cassette uh, voice message machines. But do you remember, do you remember when, like, movie reviews were people, you know, I'm trying to remember the show. It was. Um, I want to say, oh, I could see his name with the glasses, but there were two guys. Oh, Cisco Niebert. Cisco Niebert, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Okay, and they were like... That was, that was great television, okay? Like, Cisco <laughs> Niebert was great television. I, I think I, it was, and they had the, the, the Lauren Hardy characters down. I don't think that was by accident, and you just, there was so much going, but they were like legit, quote-unquote, film critics. Are there even any film critics left out there, or is it just like the, the actual, like you see Variety Magazine, but you never see a name. Like, what do you need to be a film critic or a pundit? Just like, oh, I'm a professional film watcher. I'm a professional commentator on the obvious. I mean, is that another? Well, I mean, there is a guy... Um... Who his name is A.O. Scott. Um and he um he is the critic, he's the film and television, I think, critic for the New York Times. He actually wrote a really good book about criticism because he was really? like basically he's like, look, what criticism does is it like look, we know that like taste is subjective. Mm -hmm. And yet there is an objective dimension to it. Like there is a sense we, we can all like think these movies are kind of terrible. These are kind of, and, and, and these are really good. And his point is like that criticism is an attempt to get out of our inner subjectivity and have more collective subjectivity to like kind of mm. get at like what the true, the good and the beautiful is. Mm. He is excellent. Um, yeah, there are critics. I mean, but it is like, it, it is a hard thing because like, I just think in general, like, 
Okay, so he works for the New York Times, which is the only paper in America. Maybe the L.A. Times. I, I don't know because I, I, I'm not from California, but it, I mean, like the Washington Post has like good political reporters. Like they hire some pretty good, but they don't have like the travel bureau, yeah. the religion bureau, <laughs> the 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 film critics. Like mm-hmm. I, I mean, that like so I think it's hard just because you. It's super expensive to run the kind of traditional media outlets mm-hmm. that would employ those people, mm-hmm. right? So you have like a handful of papers or periodicals, you know, that can do it. So it's like a dying. It's like one of those things where, like, if you're really good at it, like, like, like anything, like if you're good at it, there's a market for it. But the problem is, like, the the market is increasingly mm. shrinking, and so, like, how do you like? So if you're AO Scott, you've like graduated so like there's no place to go he's yeah. like he's literally the king of the hill yeah yeah and then i'm looking at like how netflix does it right they've got the this is the you know what's trending right like these are what everyone's watching there are no like oh get the great reviews and all this it's just like hey this is what this is this is what they say is popular <laughs> right we don't they it's arbitrary right they could be making up numbers but they say hey these are the top 10 things that people are watching or the top 10 things we want you to watch um I find that. Yeah, I think I think that's where A.O. Scott would say, like, okay, we're that's not criticism in the sense that that's just a poll. Oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, but that's but in the old days, right? It was what do the critics say? And 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 yeah, again, harking back to being conversation, it was make or break on Cisco Lieber. Like, yeah, oh man, I hope cross your fingers. I hope they like it. Oh my gosh, and that was such great television, (laughs) Cisco Lieber, and it was like two guys. Wasn't it on PBS or something? I, I mean, it, it was. I think it was public television. Yeah, it was on PBS. Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe no. I think they did get. I don't know if they got regional, but dude, that was must. It was. I mean, I remember being a kid wanting to watch it. It was. It was multi generational, and I know it wasn't the camera angles, and I wasn't. I, they were just. It was fascinating. I guess they were the. I don't know. That'd be a good research. Like, what made Cisco and Ebert so good and resonate? That's a. That's a great question. By the way, I, you know, I, we can figure out right now. Just, it's amazing. We could find out what station <laughs> for Cisco Re- and real time research. Uh, the Google machine. Laughing and loving with Scott Kent Jones. Um, As Scott will commentate his Google search. Take it away, Scott. They were on W. Yeah, they were. It was a PBS station originally, WTTW okay. in Chicago. Okay. And eventually became Sneak Previews, which I think yes. was syndicated Preview. beyond that. Yes, yes. But yes, Sneak Previews. Oh, my. Evanston, Illinois, wow, um, is where Cisco is from, which is also the home of InterVarsity Press. I've been to Evanston. It's a cute little town. <gasps> sneak Previews. All right. Before we lose all... 28 million of our listeners. You said you had a, like a dialogue. I have a question, question for you. I have and then question. we're going to do some more live excitement. We're going to tap into the learning side with Scott Kent Jones as we're, we're talking Barbara Walters next, but you got a question before. We I love on. that. We could just look, we've never realized this on the show. We can just Google things and like, <laughs> we're really with it in the technology. This is hard hitting folks. I mean, this is really, we're on the cutting edge, like a Ginsu knife. Can you remember the Ginsu knife commercials? Yes. Where they cut through the soup can? Yes! The tomato! <laughs> yes! yes! Okay. So if you were going to 
live someplace, okay? You are you have to like leave the country. Uh and you have to pick another place to live, right? And your passport's going to be not good anymore. You've got to go there and you're relocating. Like you're not getting back into the states. Ooh, okay. Where are you going? Where am I going? Mm, so I can never come back to the states. Where and I have to live the rest of my life there, or I could just start there and you can start there. You can't come back to the states. Hmm. Mm. I would. What's jumping out at me? I have like, well, we could do there. We could go here. You know where I would go? I would go to Australia. We why have, Australia? Well, we were there in December. And I was really, it was the ultimate ignorant American goes to Australia <laughs> and just, wow. I went to Sydney, which obviously Australia is a lot bigger than Sydney, but the Sydney experience was remarkable. It was way totally different than I thought. Uh, one just total ignorant thing that I thought, I had no idea Australia was that old. Because I'm thinking America, yeah, seven, or, you know, early 1700s, late 1700s, right? You know, the whole thing. Uh, but Australia was founded before America was. And I'm like, wait a minute, they got more history than we do. What are you talking about? What? It was, it was, a, it was a penal colony, right? Like, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Uh, yeah, a little bit. It wasn't, I think it wasn't official, official. I mean, because I, my understanding, again, ignorant American, I thought they just shipped the prisoners there and let them fend for themselves. Like, uh, what was that? Ah, Escape to New York. Remember that movie? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, that's that's what I thought it was. Literally, again, ignorant American. Like they just shipped everybody over there and fend for yourselves and figured it out. No, I mean they had established government. They had the whole thing. Um, I think they volunteered in quotes. Right, the first early settlers were in pine bars and was like, "You can either stay here or go to Australia. What do you want to do?" It's like, "Oh, let's go to Australia." So I think that's quote unquote was the penal side of it. But yeah, just the rich history. And looking at how diverse it is, it is so diverse. I thought L.A. was diverse and multicultural. Sydney was like a wake-up call. I was like, whoa. Uh, and the food, the food. This is the key, Scott Kent Jones. The food is so good because I think they haven't poisoned their soil like America has. So the the, the oh, just the flavor and the – man, we felt so good eating over there. So I would go to Australia. All right, so this is no. It's interesting. There's a reason that there's a method to my madness. Ah, okay. So I'm thinking a lot these days about social trust, and this is apparently um, there's a sociologist um, Robert Putnam from Harvard wrote a really famous book called Bowling Alone, <laughs> and wrote co-wrote with somebody. I forget who the co-author was. A book on American religion, which is called uh, American Grace, which is like. Hailed as one of the best overall studies of American religious life sociologically. And so Putnam's theory is like that one of the things that like makes the world go around is social trust. And so if you look at Italy, which has a notoriously kind of um, dysfunctional kind of government, but they've done studies that, that but there are certain townships or municipalities that are way more functional than anything in the U.S. or U.K., and certain ones that, of course, are way less functional. And then when they look at where the high-functioning ones are, it is all about social trust. And so the more people trust each other, the more things go tend to go better because you don't have to like hire your brother-in-law 
for the gig because you're afraid of the outsider, you can hire the best person for the job. So Australia has a social trust quotient of 54.43. The United States has 38.17. England is like 29.96. Now, Brazil is down at (laughs) (laughs) 6.53. It's not the place you want to be. Um, uh, For instance, like uh, you look at, I'm trying to find another place, like uh, Spain is like 19%. Norway, 73.73. Interesting. (laughs) Like, so it's interesting that like, like New Zealand again is like 56.23. So 50, like Australia is a pretty good, it's not as high as Scandinavia, but it's much better than the United States. And it's a lot warmer. Well, it's a lot warmer. (laughs) It's Scandinavia, but not the U.S. Um, But it is an interesting kind of metric for how you, how societies function, right? mm, Um, mm. Well, you've you've read Covey's book, uh, his son, A Speed of Trust. Have you read that one? I have not. Oh, you I read the Covey book, but not the son. Oh, the son wrote Speed of Trust. and. He approaches it as it's like a manifesto to all the Fortune 500s out there. And he quantifies how trust goes to the bottom line as best as he can. Because that, again, trust isn't, isn't a metric you could necessarily, you know, quantify or put it on a spreadsheet or whatever. But he does a really good job of saying, look, if you trust your employees, everything moves faster, you save more money, um, this whole thing. Very similar to what Apple proved uh, when they they proved that net zero uh, as far as taking care of the employees. Like, hey, we're going to take our retail employees and treat them because retail has like the highest turnover ever of like 90 percent. And Apple's retail turnover is like 30 percent because they give their retail employees the same benefits as the corporate Apple employees, you know, as far as vacations, as far as healthcare, And because their turnover is 70 percent less. It doesn't cost them any more to pay them those top wages and offer all of that. So the, the speed of trust is the same way, saying, hey, look, you're actually slowing down your organization by not trusting your employees. But I can totally see that now in a bigger picture in this, you know, I don't know where they got the percentages from, but um, high trust makes everything work better. I can tell you that. Yeah, they do like these surveys about how people feel about um if people, I think the data is based on surveys like of how people feel about can other people be trusted in their in their society. So it's kind of it's largely kind of self reporting. Yeah, but it's it's basically like a, a kind of system where if people if people think that their neighbor can be trusted, mm-hmm. the society is way more functional yeah. than if if you think they can't be trusted. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By the oh, way, yeah. just. So Russia, the- Russia is twenty seven point. Oh, really? Twenty seven point seven four. So. I figure Russia would be a lot lower. Interesting, interesting. All right, so right give up. me your country. Where, where Scott Ken Jones going? Oh, I think like I think I'm with you. I think I'm like. So on one level, like on my social trust algorithm, like the thing you want to do is pick Norway, right? Like, <laughs> because it's the best. Like it's just so functional. And that's why they can like. That's why, like, you know, Scandinavia, everybody brags about the government there, which is pretty functional, but everybody trusts each other. That's why the government, like, you know, there's, there's this kind of, we're in it together. Mm-hmm. I do think just weather-wise, though, I would settle for 20 points less and go down to <laughs> Australia or New Zealand. Uh, 
just because, like, you know, I, I'll take the New Zealand doesn't seem bad to me, although I hear the Wi-Fi is really slow. But uh, like relative, I have a buddy who did a fellowship there for two years and he was like, it's kind of a, you know, it, there's certain things that he didn't love about it. But but they beat the covid back. Um, mm. Their prime minister is the most attractive, pri- like world leader, male or female. Mm. She's like 37 years old. She's like striking and she's exceedingly capable. Mm. She like makes Justin Trudeau look like a sort of, uh, you know, like, like a sort of a C-list good looking guy. I mean, does she have the Bacardi vibe like Gavin? And No, she's no, <laughs> she's a total class vibe. She's like, ah, okay. Class like, vibe. Yes. No, she's very like, I mean, she's incredibly accomplished. I mean, it's very, and like, I haven't done much research into her next time. Maybe next show we'll start with a little bio of and i forget her name even i'm gonna google her name this is so bad that like i'm this is like i'm gonna get canceled you're name dropping and now you forgot well and i'm commenting on a woman's appearance and i don't know her name (laughs) and she's a world leader canceled we are canceled canceled culture um her name is jacinda ardern jacinda new zealand all right north island i'm sure yeah she's very um, very capable and kind of um, interesting person. So. Interesting. I like that. I've heard great things about New Zealand. Have made it over there, but from all my travels, so we're interesting. We're we're right in that same. Yeah, we're going to go in the same hemisphere. You're yeah. not. we're going to be down there in that quadrant. You know. And all then right. when the, and then when the COVID comes, you can like kick it out because you kind of you're you're in these islands. Like That's right. You're That's just right. saying, hey, you can't come here. That's right. Well, you and I both know, and this could spark something, but. Uh, you know, and I heard a great analogy uh, actually from Napoleon Hill reminded me it's, I'm paraphrasing, but basically mankind carries the matches that spark off their own destruction right in their pocket. And Absolutely. So you've got your own matches. Are you going to, so are you going to take the match out of your pocket or not? But this could be a match here, but I, I think you and I are in total agreement that, and perhaps not, but let's find out that once the election happens, magically COVID is going to just go away. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think actually. You really don't? Really? Come on. I think we're in for a year. You've uh, been listening to too many pundits. I, exactly. No, I think we're in for like a year. I think it's going to be uh, like you saw what happened with like UNC, right? Where they had like, they brought students back and immediately 160 cases in this one wow. pod. Oh, But go, let's talk about trust, right? Like. I would love to see that test of how many of those countries, right, of trust your neighbor versus trust your government. <laughs> well, but, but here's the other thing, too. Like, if you trust your neighbor, you do trust your government. Like, in the sense of – this is the thing that's – No, no, no. That's so, that's so big. That is so big because most people don't make that connection because it's us and them. It's oh, we the people and, oh, those go that government, right? But the government is your neighbor, but people don't realize that. Right. So if you're like, and this is why, again, like Scandinavia, everybody brags about how functional they are. And they're also smaller and less diverse than we are. Right. So they, like, it's easier. I mean, Putnam's research, he admits it's, it's much more difficult to build social trust in a diverse society. So like Scandinavia is not very diverse and it's not, you know, these countries aren't to the scale of the United States population wise and stuff, but they have an easier time trusting the government because they trust each other, right? And so, like, there's this kind of, like, okay, you know, it's trust but verify, but there's a kind of trusting nature. But I, so I don't, I don't know that it's going to end. Uh, 
after like I don't I don't know that it's a it's a kind of scandal like that like but I do think so let's say Biden wins the election right I don't well, think, well real quick but we'll go back what is it Biden or Biden you're as you it's Biden that part of, it was Biden okay although Cheney is actually Cheney do you know that mm. the the family prefers Cheney really yeah and Chris Matthews is the only person that like like would would hold them hold would say that because like everybody else is Cheney but like. The family actually says it's Cheney. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So and they, then is 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 Pence still running with Trump? Same VP? Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Although Trump should dump um, Pence for that uh, governor of South Dakota. Well, Pen- Pence is the ultimate. You know, as far as that that party goes, they're the ultimate yin yang because you've got the. You know, you got Trump and his New York, you know, the whole New New Yorker thing. Right. And then you've got Pence on the other side, which is, you know, calm, cool and nice. And, you know, uh, it's got the, um, you know, political correctness side and all of that. So I think there's a there's a purpose there. But who is who? And I don't even know. So you got to tell me. So. So here's here's one. I should be I should help your party out. But. Talk about a great trade campaign, right? Buy Biden. I mean, that just goes, right? Like, let's buy Biden. You know, put that on the thing. Buy Biden. Let's but buy who, Biden, yeah. Yeah, but who's his VP? Who's the VP? Oh, it's Kamala Harris. Oh, okay. I saw pictures. I wasn't sure. It was announced. It was announced. Yeah, it was. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Okay. It was announced. But here's the thing, though. I oh, well, think... tell me about her while you're rating female leaders in the political world. Exactly. I'm going to. I'm kidding. Because <laughs> I was just about to. Christine, by the way, is governor of South Dakota. <laughs> Who is absolutely stunning? Um, I'm gonna get canceled. I'm. Um, hey, you're a bachelor. It's okay. Yeah, you know, it's a uh, yeah. So this is like, I, I feel a little creepy, but so I think Kamal Harris is was the safe pick. Um, I think though that the problem with Kamal Harris is the problem the Democratic Party has. NPR did this great summary of the first night of the convention and. One of their points, it was like a seven-point bullet point observation. It's like, and one of their issues was like, so you had John Kasich come out, who I think is a good guy, right, as a Republican, saying, look, I'm supporting Joe Biden. Like, I know him. He's a good guy. I'm a Republican. And he kind of says, you know, but look, a lot of you are afraid, a lot of Republicans, independents, that don't think you can support a Democrat, and you're worried, you like Joe, but you think he's going to go far left. And leave you behind. He's not going to do it. I know Joe Biden. Then you have Bernie Sanders up there. Look, uh, I've never had a super PAC, not even a backpack. I just carry my things under my arm like a college professor. Um, And we have the most progressive policies. And we've taken the party or progressive policies that become mainstream now. So it is an interesting internal tension, right? So like, so you have like some people saying that Joe Biden is this moderate guy who is, you know, going to be uh, somebody that's going to govern from the center and going to govern for everybody. Then you have other people in the party who are saying Joe's going to be the most progressive president since FDR. And it's going to sit. And so Kamala Harris has this problem too. Like she was a tough on crime prosecutor in California until it seemed less popular to be tough on crime. Like she was a Medicare for all person until that seemed 
and then she moved on that. She's like moved on, on, on a bunch of issues. And I just think the, and again, people evolve and people change. I'm not saying like that everyone has to be lockstep and lock on every issue. But I think the problem for the Democrats right now is who are you? And I think it's a, it's just a, it's just, um, a wide open hole for Trump to exploit in the sense of like, look, you know, you say Joe Biden's going to govern for everybody, but it seems like Bernie Sanders and AOC are at the table in major ways. And so I don't know. And I don't know how Biden solves that. Cause I, cause I don't think, I don't know. And maybe he'll give the best speech of his life tonight and will cast a vision that unites the whole party. But I, I don't like, I mean, I think that's the, like the thing that like, and again, he's up in all the polls. Like, I mean, you know, so by, by, by all measures, I mean, he's got like, things are looking his way, but I just think if I were Trump and like, I would just see the, the kind of with, with between Kamala Harris and Biden and the whole kind of internal tensions in the democratic party for, are we kind of the old school Scranton, Pennsylvania, moderate, middle of the road for the working class? Or are we the kind of more progressive Bernie Sanders, AOC? We're going to, we're going to, you know, really do radical change in America. That's a tough, like, needle to thread. And I don't know. And I think, like, Biden's needed to thread it to get here. So like he's to, to get to the kind of, and I think Biden was the Democrats go to emergency choice because it looked like Bernie could win. And they were like, Oh my gosh, we can't run a socialist. Against Donald Trump. <laughs> so everybody's like, all right, everybody's got to drop out right now. Yeah. Or else we're kicking you out of the Democratic party. <laughs> like, like you can't, you'll never get, you know, you won't even, you can't even run for dog catcher. Uh, in the future <laughs> unless you, get right unless you support biden right now but then so like so i think that's what the democrats needed for a candidate like to get a nominee mm. but i just don't know how you well, well i'm having i'm having flashbacks now to when ross perot was up in the polls and it was the other way it was like oh my gosh he's, he's gonna get elected we can't both sides were like you talk about bipartisan both sides were like we can't have this we... and, and also i think just party-wise dna Republicans like converts, right? Which is why they'll take like Trump in. Like, okay, he was a pro-choice Democrat. He's kind of, uh, you know, he's got a philandering kind of out, like outlandish kind of story and reputation. But we'll take him. He's a convert. Democrats want purity, mm. right? Like, so Democrats, like, it's always like, who's the purest Democrat? Who's mm. the who's the most pure on mm. identity politics or the environment and this? And I just think in, in a general election it does not help you to be about purity, right? Like, mm. It helps you to be inclusive. And so that's the other, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, uh, I feel like there's so many uh, chinks in the Democratic armor. So if mm. I was like a Republican strategist, I would not be despairing, even though we're you're down like, you know, they, they, I think the real clear, clear politics average is like eight points. I, I do not think that is insurmountable if you're the Republican Party. I mean, it's hard. Mm -hmm. Like, it's hard. And I think any incumbent would struggle 
with COVID and the economy and just generally racial struggles. It's just a dark time in America right now. And I think so that tends to not favor an incumbent, but Trump is a rare, although I'll tell you what I would have advised Trump to. Okay. After I watched the convention, it was weird. Like zoom TV. Like I would, and certain things were good. Like I thought both Obama's were good. There were certain good speeches. I, I would, if I were Trump, I wouldn't even go to the convention. I would barnstorm the country and just do five rallies a day. Dude. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, cool. that's yeah. how he's going to win. I mean, yeah. like, he, like if he's going to win, it's going to be rallying his base. And, and like, dude, like, no, like, these Zoom conventions are such bad television. I mean, they're just terrible television. I mean, it's just like, you're, it's like watching a Zoom call. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just like, I mean, gosh, I would rather watch like Yentl um, with subtitles. Like, so I, I mean, like it's just so bad, and so like if this is the huge advantage, I think of going second. Like I would, if I were the Republican strategist, I would scrap whatever plan I had, and I would just like it's the George Costanza. I will do the opposite. Yep. <laughs> let's just do the opposite format the Democrats did. Yeah, let's just get on the like. Uh, I know you're not a sports guy, but in Philly, there's a little bit of sports. But you remember John Madden? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Okay. Sure. So Madden was best known for the fact that he would not fly. He was right. afraid to fly. So he, he had the train. Bus. Yeah. No, and it was bus. He'd have this yeah. big Prevost bus and he would just go from city to city, do the games. So I could see the Trump motorcade just rolling, right? Just oh, like, yeah. or even or even taking Air Force One and just doing it at the at perfect. It's outside, right? Like, hey, we're gonna have an airport rally. We're gonna land here, oh, yeah. show up on the tarmac, cheer. Yeah, he'd be better off just doing that. I would do like six of those a day during the yeah. convention instead of yep. going to like, in, like, I mean, it would be because also he would get all the press. Like, so you're mm-hmm. going to get all these people like it's irresponsible in COVID. Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. She doesn't care. Like he's desperate. He's going back to his right. Like, like it, not, it's not just the, his base, like the whole, the media would not, it would overshadow everything else in the news. If he was just born from the country and yeah. like, no, it'd be yeah. I'm I'm with you there. I'm with you there. So speaking of barnstorming, we're gonna do a segue before we end the show here. So when I was on one of your other uh, superstar podcasts, Scott Ken Jones, uh, we hit it off, and then I asked later. I said, "Who are some of your dream guests?" And the first one you popped up was Barbara Walters. And the first question I asked you was, "Well, why don't you call her?" And you were like, "Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah." So I dug in my we'll go old school. I dug in my Rolodex. Ha ha ha. Um, and I pulled out Barbara's contact information for her team. And I said, look, you have no excuse. Call Barbara. And then about once a quarter, maybe once a month, every couple of months, I would call you and email you. I go, hey, get old Barbara yet. Get old Barbara yet. Get old Barbara yet. So now things have shifted. You've moved around the country. You've done your world tour. You're back in Philly. So I want you to pull out your phone. And we're going to live call Barbara Walters' team because Barbara is still, I think, one of the last living legends and when you talk about amazing interviews, you talk about connecting, you talk about just ultimate, even bipartisan, just. Oh, no, she was a natural. I mean. Yes. Yes. Okay. What do we, what's her, what's the number? I'm calling. You had, you oh, sent it to you, but it's got to be right on your. All right, here we go. We're going to call Barbara's in. people. All right. Put it up to the mic. <laughs> okay. You have your own file. So Evan Money. Uh, an email, Evan Money. Real time. Here it is. Okay. There it is. Yep. Okay, so we're gonna call. 
Mortnell Janklo in yes. New York. Yes, and I still think they have the tape recorder. Good to see. Voicemail. All right, here we go. Put up the mic. Come on. You've reached Janklo and Esbitt Associates. If you know your party's extension, please dial it now. For the company directory, please dial 1. If you need further assistance, please dial 200. Thank you. 200. This, this is riveting podcasting. By the this way. is great radio right now. How does Howard do it when he's cranking people like this? I don't know. I guess they would have been answered by a via IP author. Here we go. Judy Costa. Is not available. (laughs) That was so dramatic. Yes. Press pound for more options. Otherwise, for a message, press zero now. Record at the tone. Hey, this is Scott Jones. Uh, I'm here with uh, Evan Money, and we're trying to reach Barbara Walters for a podcast interview. So if you could get back to us uh, at, I'm just going to say, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna mute my microphone for a second. That would be great. Uh, we'd appreciate a call back because uh, we'd love to talk with Barbara about her magical interviewing skills. Thanks so much. Bye now. There we go. There it is. That was my second call to Barbara. Nice. She has another PR person we could call in West Hollywood, but Why not? I call I call her agent. Okay. Let's call her publicist. Let's All just right. call the let's, 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 let's call the publicist. This is great radio. Let's call yes. the publicist. Yes. Call the publicist. Oh Barbara's publicist has a non working number. God. God. All right. Well, we did it. And see, it's all about taking action. That is the missing ingredient for so many people. Taking action. You take the action, baby. That's right. That's right. And we took the action to create a show about learning, laughing, and loving with Scott Kent Jones and me, Evan Money. Evan Money. Scott, always a pleasure, sir. It definitely. And this was fantastic. And I hope that our listeners are loving the show. Yes, and pass it on. Tell a friend. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Learning, Laughing, and Loving with Evan Money and Scott Jones. If you like what you've heard here, please do something for us. Go to iTunes and write a review. Give us a rating. Tell people. Share it on social media. If you found something you love here, share the love and goodness with the world. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, friends, fare thee well.